if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 157. This is our 2021 Masters In-Depth Research Preview. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss the most highly anticipated major of this year and every year, the Masters. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. I was checking out, Barry, last year's Masters Podcast Research piece, yeah, and you said to Paul he needed needed to be more enthusiastic at the start. <laughs> yeah. And he was more enthusiastic more enthusiastic this year. Yeah. Good. So that's a good that's a good start. Absolutely. Listen listens well. <laughs> this podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information and of course please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews. Masses of tournament statistics and our predictor models all available completely free of charge. There is no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. Barry is at a good talk golf. He's approaching 2,000 followers. Uh, Paul is at golf betting. He's still approaching 10,000 followers. And I am at Bamford Golf. I have no idea how many followers I've got. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need to uh, we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, as ever. For those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Secondly, if you are in the growing band of YouTube listeners... Please subscribe to the channel and like the show. Right, a couple of reviews here, gentlemen. Number one, uh, title, Top Quality Tuesday Listening. Five stars, highly rated podcast. Informative, insightful, and all-round great listen. Gives us something to look forward to on a Tuesday, and that is from Russell. And he is in one of your old stomping grounds, Paul. Welling Garden City, Hertfordshire. You could better, better go and knock on his door from where you are, Steve. <laughs> yeah, you remember when I backed Tom Lewis a few weeks ago and I said I'd send the boys round. Well, <laughs> Russ, Russell could go round there for me. Yeah, was that when he missed the cut, Tom Lewis, was it? I, I remember, Paul, when you were one of the boys around town in Welling Garden City, selling TVs and warranties like it was going out of fashion. Back in the day, eh? Yeah, back in the day, eh? Right, second uh, second review. It's the golf. This one's entitled "It's the Golf Betting System, the Golf Betting System, the Golf Betting System" podcast. Very good. Five stars. Right, Paul and Steve are the best. They they haven't mentioned you, Barry. Even if they sound different or funny most of the time, because well, they're British. They use terms and say things differently than we do, but that's okay because they give out some of the best golf betting advice you will find in the entire world. I have listened to them now for a few months and there's no comparison between them 
and the other podcasts. They are always my first listen on a Tuesday as I prepare to place my wages. I feel like I know them from listening in weekly and pine for the day when I can meet up with them for a pint or three. And that glowing review, which doesn't mention Barry, is from Ryan Penn, and he is all the way from Denver, Colorado. Lovely stuff. Thank don't, you. Ryan. Don't give I, Ryan shit for you know for not mentioning me. It's okay. We I did thought, go through a stage, if you remember, Barry, when you were always too diverish to come on the show. So I expect he was listening to them then when you were on. Don't sweat it, Ryan. We're all good. No. No, I thought Ryan was going to say he's pining for the day when we get a winner, Steve. <laughs> Did you see that comment I sent to you yesterday from YouTube where mate yeah. had literally counted the amount of selections you and I have put up without having a winner? Somehow we tend to scrape a lot of each-way returns that kind of cover the weeks or sometimes make profit. But yeah, we, we are on a bit of a dearth of a run when it comes to winners. But with the Masters only two weeks away, what a time to start getting on a run. Right, I'm going to mention this straight from the top of the podcast, okay? Some exciting news. Over the course of 10 years, Golf Betting System have pulled together some exciting, boosted odds offers with Treble 8 Sport. And 2021 is no exception. So, for new customers 18 plus across both the Republic of Ireland and the United Kingdom, Treble 8 Sport are offering huge, boosted odds on three of the big favourites for the 2021 Masters. So, you can choose one from either Dustin Johnson at 66 to 1, John Rahm at 100 to 1, or Bryson DeChambeau at 100 to 1. This offer is live now, and to access it, I have put a link through to the promotion in the podcast description, or simply... Come to Golf Betting System and look in our promotions column on the homepage or within my master's research article. Post registration with Treble Eight Sport, you must make a £10 or €10 first qualifying deposit using the promo code, and this is important, Treble Eight Odds. So when you make your first deposit, there is a promo code section there. Just type in Treble Eight Odds, then make your first ever win-only bet on either. Dustin Johnson, John Rahm or Bryson DeChambeau to win the 2021 Masters with a maximum stake of £5 or €5. Extra winnings are paid in free bets. Full terms and conditions are available on the website. So DJ at 66s, John Rahm at 100s or Big Dog Bryson DeChambeau at 100 to 1. For new customers 18 plus in the Republic of Ireland or United Kingdom with Treble 8 Sport. Not bad offer, that. No, lovely stuff. Hopefully we'll see a few other competing offers over the next week or so too to, to tell you guys about over, over the course of our forthcoming podcasts. But yes, nice for Treble 8 to kick off the uh, kind of campaign season, I guess. Be interesting to see when some of these bookies start to extend their each way terms as well, because uh, it's been yeah. been a bit slack so far. Um, I see Betfair and Paddy Power both extended theirs to eight places um, recently. Yeah. But that's, that's the only one that I've seen really go uh, anything that sensible. Wasn't there when I last looked Tuesday? So mm. they've done that in the last say twenty four thirty six hours. So eight places each way: Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook right now. 
No, they, they had that. Uh, they had the eight places up for a few weeks because. Uh, oh, okay, sure. I, I, I jumped on Tony Fina twenty-five to one, and uh, that is not looking so smart at the moment. <laughs> I don't know what's <laughs> going on. So uh, yeah, write that one off and chalk it up to experience. Uh, but this this year for the anti-post markets, they, they just they just haven't been very fleshed out or developed. Um, uh, it just seems like a thing across the board. So it's, you just kind of really hang on till the end of the week unless you find a nugget like you did, which was, uh, again, Fina, wasn't it, for the US Open, Steve? 40 to 1. 4 0 to 1. Yeah. yeah. That, that's that's still going to look okay. Like he's probably just in a, a little micro slump right now. But yeah. That, I think it was probably a month ago now because Paul and I were on the podcast that week. Yeah. Um, and literally, I backed him as Paul was going through one of his tournament sets of uh, tips because I just couldn't believe the price. I was in shock. At Torrey Pines, which has got to be one of his, what, top two or three favourite golf courses? Bombers at US Opens. Yeah, not a bad way to go. Right. We have the Masters starting in a fortnight. We're recording this on the 25th of March, uh, but this research... Um, podcast will be you, know, you can listen to it at any point up to first tee off really augusta national augusta georgia um a doctor alistair mckenzie and bobby jones 1933 original with various redesigns and renovations i mean they tinker with the golf course every single year you know tees have been moved or a trees have appeared in the driving line somewhere or something's happened or you know a um a putting surface has been made larger or there's a few more contours on it they're always playing with this with this beautiful piece of land um i have it down as a classical old style golf course which tends to bring together a mid score winner now of course dj last year bearing in mind that they played it last year in november because of covid and as we as we said beforehand, the course played longer. It was softer. The greens had a lot more Bermuda grass within them. It was a, what should we say? It was a one-off kind of scenario, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the conditions were different, weren't they? And everyone expected them to be. Uh, chipping was different from around the greens. As you say, the green, um, or the, the kind of the grass composition was different too because of the overseeds. So, um, you know, and, and above all of that, the, uh, the uh, clearly the winning score was lower because of the, because uh, of the, the softness of the track, so yeah, I, you know, you'd expect it to be back back to normal this year, wouldn't you? You know, normal conditions in the normal yeah. normal point in the year. So, uh, yeah, one off. If you're looking though for typical winners, I mean, Dustin Johnson is out there, isn't he? Long, high yeah. ball flight, powerful. It kind of it kind of um, brought all of those elements mm. together. Now. The course is quoted as 7,475-yard par 72. And there are five holes with water hazards. So Tony Finau has a chance here. Not many water hazards. <laughs> this isn't sawgrass. Um, the actual composition of the agronomy, this is where I get into my anal retentiveness, um, the whole course has a Bermuda grass base, but above that, fairways of ryegrass. Uh, the first cut... I didn't say rough this year. The first cut is ryegrass, 1.38 inches, so there's you know, effectively no rough. The greens are around about 6,500 square feet, and they feature a bent grass top. The stimps can run as high as 14. 
and there aren't many golf courses each year either on the European Tour or the PGA Tour that have stimps that run up to 14 once the sub-air is pumping. Uh, average score, uh, the last time they ran this in April, sounds strange but true, 71.87 the year that Tiger won. So just as the field was just a snidge under par. And then last year in November, it was 71.75, so just a snidge easier, won a quarter stroke under par for the field. Um, they say it's 7,475 yards, but as we always mention on these um, research podcast previews, they mow the fairway grain against the players. So effectively, the fairways are wide, but they are... So they're easy to hit the fairways, but the run on them, they're effectively, they're very soft. So you do not get a lot of run on these fairways, which means a hell of a lot of long iron second approaches into a lot of these longer par fours. And, of course, some very gettable par fives on the back nine, which is where most of the scoring tends to happen, isn't it? Back mm. nine. Yep. Yeah, once you get yourself through Amen Corner, it's uh, there's some opportunities, isn't there? 13, 15. Get yourself on a nice little birdie run as you're coming home. I just love it. Uh, it's For me, it's always the best major of the year by a country mile. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you've got some players in the mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's recognisable, isn't it? Now, we were, I was likening it to Cheltenham to you the other day in that you know, there's some continue. It's continuous from year to year. There's you know some familiarity between the between the races each year at Cheltenham. There's clearly the familiarity from uh, each of the holes that you see each and each and every year at uh, Augusta National. Just uh, brings it to life each year that you can kind of remember what's uh, what you've seen previous years. I am putting a full link in the description to my master's research piece, but this. Paragraph, I think, kind of summarises where we're at with Augusta. Augusta is definitely a game of two halves. Attack all of the par, attack all of the four par fives, and a number of shorter par fours, such as the third, the ninth, and the fourteenth. Tiger Woods, quote: Have you ever? Se- oh yeah, Tiger Woods is. Have you ever seen anything like that in your life? Par three, sixteenth hole, name Rosebud or Redbud rather. Yields holes in one and birdies, but the rest of the course needs to be played with maturity and patience. Chasing scores tends to yield bogeys rather than birdies on these holes. So par golf across the majority of holes at Augusta National is more than acceptable. And that's the point, isn't it? You've got to really target you know, the 3rd, the ninth, the 14th, the 16th par 3 is a great birdie hole, and all of the par 5s. But on those other tougher par 4s, Middle of the green, two putt, get out of there is more than acceptable. And I think, you know, in modern day golf where, you know, we've got receptive greens, perfect scoring conditions and, you know, players go for pins all of the time. Somewhere like Augusta where half the course is par golf, patient golf, and the rest of it is scorable. That can throw a lot of uh, a lot of players kind of crazy. Yeah, and I think that's why you need a bit of experience around there, and why you know some debutants clearly can um, mm. play well, but you know in terms of actually getting over the line is a different matter. It was it Sung Jae Im last year, wasn't it, in November, who uh, 
who was on debut, finished in the tie for second. So clearly players can get into the mix, but um, but yeah, actually going on and winning, um, you know, there's a, there's always the name Fuzzy Zeller that gets uh, gets dragged up at this point in the uh, in the year when people are talking about debutants. But that, that's the case in point, isn't it? You know, it's if you're looking at it for the first time, it's um, there's a lot of strategy, there's a lot of kind of majesty associated with the track that you need to to understand before you can go and actually compete and contend and win. To back that up, Dustin Johnson had played here nine times. He'd had a second, a fourth, a sixth and a tenth before winning. Um, clearly the year before that was Tiger Woods. He'd played there 20 times and won four times. Um, and before him, we had Patrick Reed, who hadn't had masses of success at, at Augusta. His best finish had been 22nd, but he had made four appearances there. Garcia, 18 appearances before winning. He was fourth and eighth twice before eventually getting his first major, the green jacket, on his shoulders in 2017. The one real exception, or there's a couple, of course, Danny Willett, he'd only ever played here once and he'd finished 38th on that particular outing and Jordan Spieth back in 2015. He'd had one appearance the year before in 2014 when he almost won as a debutant. Uh, Bubba Watson won that year. And then Spieth came the next year and won at 11-1 in 2015. So, I, yeah, you know, as you said, Fuzzy Zeller and all that. But you need to have had a go around here, really, if, you, if you've got a serious chance of winning. You've been very quiet so far, Barry. Are you listening intently to the content or are you kind of brewing up a, a strategy? What, I mean, what do you look for, Augusta? Uh, it's, I, I look for, you know, I think I have to have a little bit of experience um, in, in who I'm picking. Um, I'm not sure, you know, debutants, you're going to get lucky to get one of them maybe into your top, uh, into the top 10 for an each way. Uh, or at least it feels that way. Um, Speed was kind of the anomaly to that, I suppose. And you know, his early years uh, just took to the course like a duck to water. So, yeah, yeah a li- little bit of experience, a, cu- a couple of um, maybe at least one uh, one go around the at the event to you know one Masters under your belt before before you get there. Somebody's just playing really solid tee to green. I'm you know I'm always gonna. Look, put, putting is a consideration, but if they're playing great tee to green, there's just a lot of holes you can get your par on, move on, and wait for the birdie opportunities to come to you because they yeah. will. If you're hitting it very well tee to green, that ball is going to funnel in really close to some of those pins and you just pick off your birdies as they come and uh, avoid the disasters. So just a lot of solidity to the game. Um, I don't think you need to be overly exceptional any one particular aspect distance yeah of course helps a lot but i think you can still do a lot of uh, competing if you've got enough power in the engines so you know look back towards speed he was never particularly long back then but he was long enough to to be able to let the other elements of his game kick in and shine um i'm thinking maybe this year we we might have to I mean, personally i might have to write off a few of the uh things we focused on before just just as an experiment like last year we uh we all wrote off dj because no number one had won it since uh tiger but 
maybe that was too narrow a view for one tournament and you know to expect a number one to go win that one tournament that happen happens once a year yeah it's unlikely it's going to happen so um, a few things like that I might just remove those blockers from the situation uh, it might make things a little bit trickier for a uh, pick but um, sure like 2021 why not we'll give it a give it a go and a different approach to it maybe how about the fact that no defending champion since Tiger Woods has won this since 2002? <laughs> so DJ, yeah, thanks for that, Steve. He could have, well, he, to be fair, he, he could have a could have us over two years running because he clearly was world number one when he won here in November, and uh, he could, yeah. There's absolutely no reason why he can do exactly the same this year. Of course, uh, be that first defending champion to put the green jacket back on his shoulders since 2002. He is the eight to one favourite. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau is 11 to 1, same price as Justin Thomas. We have John Rahm at 12 to 1. Rory McIlroy somehow at 14 to 1. We have Jordan Spieth at 16 to 1. We have a disappearing off the charts Brooks Kepka. Um, <laughs> he is basically 16 to 1 everywhere, and ball sports have just out, outed him to 22 to 1. Some books like Treble 8 Sport have actually taken him out of the betting because it looks highly, 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 highly unlikely that he plays. Uh, we've then got Xander at 22s. And by the way, I think Brooks was going to be my pick for the week. But anyway, we won't go down that route. Mm. Brooks, at, uh, we've got Xander at 22s. Uh, Patrick Cantlay at 25s. Colin Morikawa at 28s. And then Reed at 30s, Tony Finau at 33s with Lee Westwood, Victor Hovland 35s, and the rest are 40 to 1 and above. Just to go back to that Greens in regulation number, Barry, that you highlighted um, very eloquently. A lot of people, and I hear this a lot, you know, it's all strokes gain now. Yeah, strokes gain have their elephants, and some people say, oh, Greens in regulation, it doesn't tell you anything. It's such a raw statistic is you know it's pretty academic well if you actually look at the winners here going back Dustin Johnson ranked first for greens in regulation the week he won last year before that of course it was um, Tiger Woods he ranked first for greens in regulation when he won Patrick Reed is a little bit of an outlier but then he always will be and always was um, he was 21st for greens in regulation when he won but then I'm looking at winners previous to that these are the GIR ranks. Second, sixth, second, fifth, first, fourth. It so is, hitting, hitting greens is the absolute yeah. number one priority. Yeah, which, whichever way you dress it up, whichever, whichever metric you look at, you're going to need to hit more than a fair share of greens in regulation or have a, a short game, you know, a la Patrick Reed, where you can overcome that to some degree to, to be successful around it um, it's never been a putting contest um, you know you look at the names of the players that have won over the years um, but you need to you need to be striking your irons it's, your irons need to be um, absolutely spot on and if that manifests itself into a high greens and regulation stat for the week then then that's the metric that's um, that can be consistent. And from those numbers that you just read through a second ago, clearly it is consistent over the last few years. Got to hit your greens. Hmm. We, can, we can go into the um, greens numbers in a little bit because I've done some analysis 
across the last eight weeks, who's hitting the greens the most currently. Um, clearly, we're recording this on day two of the world match play, so the world match play won't have any bearing on these greens in regulation numbers. So, long... And a great, so a great, a good summary then, chaps, for this kind of player we're looking for. It's your modern day top five kind of player, isn't it? Long, pretty straight, extremely high with their approaches, and players that are very, very strong with their irons and the regularity that they can actually hit greens and on approach. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and I guess if you go back through the history of the winners here, you've got um, underlying form trends as well, haven't you? Um, there's, there's a long list of players going back for the last 10 years or so in your in your preview where you list their incoming form. But um, pretty universally, you would have needed a top 10 finish in the year to date um, before arriving yeah. at Augusta. Um to, to go on and win and that, that's kind of an indication that your underlying form is strong enough to be able to compete and contend in a, in a major like this and uh, and you know, even if you get as brutal as just taking out all of the players who haven't got a top 10 finish for this calendar year um, and oh, well, there were a good 10, 11, maybe 12 events by the time we uh, tear up Augusta uh, that gives you a good starting point for uh, limiting and uh, reducing your shortlist down to, uh, to mm. a more manageable level. DJ's academic last year, but I'll just mention it for the pod. Three wins and seven top tens prior to November. But if you go back to Woods 2019, so back into our April slot, he'd finished two top tens, 10th at the WGC and 5th at the Dell match play. That was the year he got beaten by Lucas Biergaard in the quarterfinal, wasn't it? Yeah. What's happened to him missing the cut in Kenya? Yeah, yeah, he's right off the boil, isn't he? Uh, Surprising. I, 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 it, it was always one of those players that I, yeah, always one of those players that I, I used to enjoy watching. Used to enjoy backing. He's one of the, you know, one of one of my chosen favourites, I guess, that I used to back quite regularly. Uh, but yeah, he's gone right off the boil, which, um, which is an odd one, but he'll come back. He's a good player. I didn't realise that your. Gargan Jeep Bula had uh, kicked off this morning. Well done, Paul. He's going well, old Bula. You've, you've got an iron in the fire this week. Is that correct? <laughs> well, now you mentioned it, Steve. I'm, I'm fully expecting a double yeah, on the next sorry. one. I, I do apologise. Let's move swiftly on. That year that Woods won. <laughs> Tenth at the WGC in Mexico and fifth at the Dell match play. Clearly, it was Tiger in the situation where he was not playing a lot of golf, but really focusing on the Masters. And that, that quarter-final outing at the match play is an interesting look. Patrick Reed in 2018, the year that you two both backed him and won at 55-1. to He had three top tens. I mean, one at uh, Copperhead, a second. One at Bay Hill, a seventh. I think at Bay Hill, if I remember correctly, he would have been like top five or seven for Greens and Regulation at Bay Hill. And then he finished, he'd got out of the group at the Dell match play. So he'd won his group and got beat in the last 16. Sergio Garcia in 2017. He'd won the Dubai Desert Classic. He'd finished 12th at the WGC in Mexico. So there's something here about players that have shown in either the match play WGC or at the stroke play event prior. Yeah. where they've clearly been trying to peak before peaking for Augusta. 
Yeah, and in an elite company as well. So. Absolutely. Same with Danny Willett. Mm. A lot of people were on Danny that year, weren't they? Bad weather, high scoring for Augusta, very high, a lot of wind. He'd won, again, the Dubai Desert Classic. This is shouting Paul Casey so badly. And he'd finished third at the WGC at Doral. Yeah. Jordan, Jordan Speed 2015, one win, six top tens. I mean, he was playing out of his skin. Fourth at Riviera, first at Cobhead, second at TPC San Antonio, and second the week before at the Golf Club of Houston. Bearing in mind also that DJ, when he won last year, finished second the week before in Houston. Different golf course, but... Um, there aren't many of the big, big names, as you would expect, playing at TPC San Antonio the week before the Masters this year. The biggest name of them all probably is your punt, Barry, Tony Finau, who does play next week at the Valero He'll Texas Open. definitely win that. <laughs> Just what, what, at 9-1? to one? <laughs> Tony Finau ends his drought the week before the Masters by winning the Valero Texas Open. 11-1. to one. Well done, Tony Finau, backers. Yeah, you can see it. I went through the field, I and mean, just taking that um, top ten stat as a as as, as a raw indicator, right. um, taking everyone out of the field who hasn't got a top ten finish in this calendar year. Who do we lose? We lose quite a lot. We get down to a field of fifty eight. Um, some of the names you'll lose. Uh, well, bear in mind that we've got the match play this week, and as you say, there's you know there's, there's still scope for some of these guys to to. Reverse that trend, but uh, some of the names: Hideki Matsuyama, yeah. Danny yeah. Willett, uh, Gary Woodland, as you might might expect, I guess, because he's been in and out of tournaments, isn't he? Uh, Ricky Fowler, Bubba Watson, two-time winner. Yeah. Uh, lefty, three-time winner. Uh, who else down this list? Matthew Wolf, Cameron Champ. You know, Champ's always been one that people have been quite uh, keen to put up at Augusta National. Um, yes, yeah, so there's, there's some fairly, you know, notable names. I guess Charles Schwartz was another one. You know, another another former winner here, um, who who hasn't got a top ten finish in this calendar year. So, so yeah, I, trends are there to be broken, and they, you know, as always, these things can come back and bite you on the backside. But having some tangible form heading into Augusta can't be a bad thing. I don't think. I think yeah, yeah. hot form definitely. Should we have some recent winning prices? Dustin Johnson was the second favourite last year. Second favourite, bearing in mind that he'd kind of dominated the FedEx Cup playoffs, hadn't he, with John Rahm. He'd won the FedEx Cup. He'd then had a couple of weeks off. I think he topped sixth or top seven finished at the US Open. Went to Houston. Finished second, got beaten on Sunday by Carlos Ortiz. Whether DJ actually really wanted to win that or not, who never knows. But anyway, then came here, second favourite to Bryson DeChambeau. And before you knew it, Bryson was hitting it in the trees on number 10. <laughs> yeah. And uh, his price was collapsing. But DJ was 9-1 to one second favourite. Woods was 16-1. to one. And Reed was fifty-five to one, as you guys very well know. Garcia forty-five to one. Willett sixty-six to one, and then Spieth twelve to one. 
Bubba Watson 28 to 1, Scott 28 to 1, Watson 55s, and Charles Svartzel, the biggest price of the lot in 2011, 90, 90 to 1. I hate Charles Schwartzel. I had I had an epic <coughs> epic year that year that he won, and somehow I had the other four of the top five. And that's <laughs> absolute <laughs> Expletive ra- railed off four <laughs> birdies in a row to steal the Masters yep. from uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. from my pocket, and, and and you know probably you know a little bit more painfully for one of the uh, the other four guys in the top five, a jacket off their shoulders. It was wow. it was horrific watching it happen. It was like a car mm. crash in slow motion. There's nothing you could do about it. Your your Schwartz or Voodoo doll clearly wasn't working that day. No, no, no. Just it, it didn't happen. <laughs> The uh, yeah, look, and and that's there's just a perfect example of the kind of craziness that can happen at that course. It's it's brilliant. It rarely fails to deliver like really good drama. Uh, DJ made it a bit of a non uh, non event <laughs> last year, but again, I think we need to maybe put a, a little bit of a protective bubble around last year's Masters uh, yep. in November. Just, just for the time being, until we get a bit, bit of perspective on it, because it's very hard to judge it as it stands right now um, versus other years. It might be only in a two or three years' time that it kind of shows itself for what it was. Um, but yeah, that's that's my kind of thoughts. I won't lean too heavily on somebody not going well in November because the course was playing different from what it will do uh, the grass was a little bit different there than what it usually is I think those 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 greens weren't they certainly weren't pure bent grass there was a lot of Bermuda no. in those greens they have you to have kind of, you, you can kind of see that from Cameron Smith and Sung Jm because we know that Sung Jm is an absolute Bermuda grass monster but yes it was an empty golf course on a very soft Augusta yeah, one of those, isn't it? What I do, what you do take from these um, recent winning prices, though, there's that seam, isn't there? You know, Watson at fifty fives, Reed at fifty fives, Garcia at forty fives, Willett at sixty sixes, and Scott and Watson at twenty eights in there. There's that mid seam, twenty eights through sort of fifties and sixty sixes. Good players who are in decent form. That actually pop out and win this, yeah, and and that's you know they're, they're punter friendly prices, aren't they? They're the kind of ones where people want to get involved with them each way, but at uh, you know that fifty to one or give or take a few points either side and uh, and take your chances, particularly when so many of the bookies will go eight, maybe ten places each way in a week or so's time. So it makes it so popular with the with the punters, I think. Short field, you can rule out quite a few quite quickly based on historical data. So all of a sudden, instead of you know, you're not looking at a field of one forty four or one fifty six. We're looking at what eighty something around that, guys. Yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. You know, eighty five to ninety something. Like chop that. out a few of the old dudes, uh, the former champions who were you know just there for like probably one of the most enjoyable weeks of their year. They just got they get to play the Masters. It's incredible, uh, happy days. You know. More good, 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 to, good for them. We're all envious of it. Uh, you know, any Bob, my friend Bobby always uh, leans on 
what's the stat? Nobody over the age of 40. So players over the age of 40, majors and that, that age bracket just don't really match up that well. I think um, VJ was one. I'm not sure if anybody's broken the duck in recent years. Darren Clark did. But it's, I think, the, I think that, yeah, but I think the stats on US soil, nobody over the age of 40 has won since VJ or something. There might be one since then, but yeah. So I'm staring and I'm, I know I, I shouldn't and I know I don't want to. And he already stung me when I backed him for the world match play because he lost his first round. We're going. I'm staring at Paul Casey, 40 to 1. Can you guys? But he's 41 years of age, isn't he, Casey? Just let Casey go. We just, you just need to do it. You'll feel so much more freedom in your lives if you let him go. If he wins, so be it, you know. Has <laughs> that post it note dropped off your wall, Steve? <laughs> I'm just looking. No, it's still there. He's still there. It's just it's no, too much. Don't, too don't much ever torture. back Paul Casey, that's there, and don't ever back Webb Simpson at the Masters, that's there as well. Yeah, yeah. He's just not long enough. And that brings us on really. What kind of stats else what else can we get to that brings this field down to a more manageable level? Paul Casey, born in Cheltenham, by the way, in Gloucestershire. Nice spot. Forty three years of age. Thank you, Wikipedia, for that. Right. Yeah, let's look at some of these. Let's kind of see where, where else we can go with this. It's the par four birdie or betters one you guys mention year on year, right? It's, and it's an, yeah, it's an interesting kind of niche one to look at, but it seems to hold quite strongly year on year. Yeah, it does. I kind of logically in my mind before I get to that point I, I want to see players that are um, powerful enough and long enough to to, mm. to contend I guess and um, yeah I, 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 I kind of use that par 4 birdie of better to finally refine where I'm going with it but uh, before I get to that point this uh, distance to apex which is the stat that you've pulled out in the, uh, the preview Steve is one that yeah. uh, seems really quite consistent as well and uh, Players that are in the top 70 either this year or last year um, for distance to apex tend to be the ones that, uh, you know, that t- tends to be a consistent stat as to how to, to get around. And that's, that's kind of an indication of power, isn't it? It's an indication of players that can uh, can hit the ball far enough and hard enough to, uh, to, to contend around a track that is or well, does set up quite long. Every winner since 2008 has been in the top 35% in terms of power hitting on tour. The best measure to use is distance to apex, and that is distance in yards from the tee to the apex of their shot on measured par 4 and par 5 tee shots. Okay? And just running through these numbers, you know, DJ last year, 26th. Tiger. Top 40. Patrick Reed, top 55. Sergio Garcia was fourth. Danny Willett, 62nd. Jordan Spieth, 67th. And then everyone beyond that, Watson, Scott, they're in the top 20s. Even Charles Fultzel was top 30s. Big high ball flight. And that makes sense, especially in years where the greens are up to those stim levels that you know that the Augusta guys are wanting. You know you've got to be attacking with a, a ball that's that's dropping, haven't you? You know coming in with a low ball flight just isn't going to work around these putting surfaces on these 
incredibly undulating contour greens. Now, every year, you know, these, these trends get destroyed, but you know, there were some really interesting players that I've got a real eye on for this. And you, you look at that distance to apex statistic and it kind of shoots them down. And, and the one that's really shouting to me that could be, and, and this is something I'd like to discuss with you too, it's, you know, for me, if, you, if you're looking for people that are consistent with their irons, consistent in terms of greens in regulation and in terms of strokes gained on approach, um, and, and a good driver of the golf ball, but has has he got the actual ball flight and the power to contend around here and win? For me, you know, the the debating point for me is Colin Morikawa. Yep. Yeah, because he's he's kind of middling at best on that stat, isn't he? I'm saying at 106th for 106th. this year to be say 94th last year. So yeah. it's consistent, isn't it? It's you know, there's no no great deviation there. One attempt here, forty fourth. Um, you know, to make the cut on your first attempt's fair enough, but um, it's not yeah, screaming. We know, hard, we know he's as hard as nails. We know he's got the you know the, the mental strength to win majors. He's done that, and and to take out big titles. He won the WGC a couple of weeks ago. And this isn't a putting contest, and we know that Morikawa's weakness is the putting. Especially when you're on him, and then he wins the week after <laughs> when you're not. But yeah, yeah. Morikara's one for me. Oh, I'd love to back him, um, but the stats are ruling him out. I'm, I'm talking in terms of brute, you know, power off the tee. He's. I called him the other week of the modern Jim Furyk, and that's not right, is it? But he just hasn't quite got the mumbo, I think, to be a sure. I mean, who am I seeing a few spots above him in the in that in that distance to apex statistic? Is Francesco Molinari? And yeah. as we saw with Francesco two years ago, he came very very close to winning the Masters and was clearly. Um, right in the heat of the battle on that back nine Sunday before Tiger just kind of outlasted him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, again, if you, you get as quite as um, you know as specific as taking out all the players that are outside of that top seventy stat for distance to apex for for this year and for for last year, um, I get down to for my short list of what fifty eight before. If I've taken out the remaining debutants and then these players that aren't inside that. Uh, Inside right. that stat, I'm down to 28 players. And as you said, you lose Colin Morikawa, you lose Francesco Molinari. You also lose the likes of Jordan Spieth. And Jordan Spieth's going to be an incredibly popular player. But um, he's sitting, what, 120th for the season to date for distance to apex? Now, maybe that's because he's kind of reined back a little bit to, to get some more accuracy. Um, whether that works around Augusta National, uh, we'll have to see in a couple of weeks' time. But, um, but yeah, if you're getting his... You know, as Raw has taken him out on that stat, Spieth goes, Till Hatton goes, Webb Simpson goes. I think you need to refine, just grab Spieth before you kind of go along a bit further. Um, up until the last few weeks, he's been hitting like high fade, high block fades, low snap hooks. Those those balls aren't going to go very far before they reach their apex. 
So if there's a way to like fine tune and look at his last like four or five events where he started hitting the ball uh, well, I'd say that you'll see an uptick in in where he ranks there. Yeah, I agree. There's also a mix. I mean, with all of this, there's a mix of the courses that these players play. I mean, he's been playing Pebble Beach and you know windy events in Florida where you want to keep mm. the ball low. But yeah, I know. Yeah, you you got to take some of this stuff with a pinch of salt, haven't you? But yeah, who else is ruled out? Uh, so yeah, Louis Oosthuizen, and Oosthuizen's always a popular pick at this uh, this course, isn't he? Uh, Patrick Reed again, another former winner. Um, you know, sitting at one hundred and thirtieth in in that stat for the year to date. Lee Westwood, who's been playing well, of course, recently. Daniel Berger, another one who's uh, you know, notwithstanding any injury issues potentially, he's, uh, he's uh, been playing some cracking stuff this year as well, hasn't he? So. Zach Johnson, another former winner, goes. So yeah, there's there's a lot of players. Victor Hovland, another one who disappears at this point as well. So Victor. So yeah, yeah. Uh, now know, there was a greens in regulation and a strokes gained approach monster who seems to have completely lost his way in the last three to four weeks. Yeah, before that he was really quite consistent, wasn't he? he started yeah, the year really well. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, again, the, the stats would bear out that this is one way to to really restrict your. Um, Restrict your shortlist, but we're losing some some names that are both viable and are going to be popular punts um, in a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. But uh, again, you, the preview your your numbers bear it out quite uh, quite clearly that this is something that should be considered. So, treat it as you may want to. The year that Spieth won this, he was forty fourth for distance to apex. So he was clearly hitting the ball higher in that part of his when he was in his pomp. It's, yeah, it's true. It's what Barry says. If you could look at these stats granularly, I'm sure we could. You, you could get to the stage where actually over the last couple of weeks, say at the players, he's been actually hitting the ball a lot purer. But yeah, difficult, isn't it? So, okay. Distance to apex is important. Another statistic I think is very important is going for the green. DJ, 18th for going for the green. Uh, the season prior to winning this, clearly that that season would have ended at the Tour Championships. There was a couple of outings after that, one at the US Open. Um, 24th Patrick Reed was for going for the green the year he won. Uh, Sergio was 7th. That's inbound that particular season as well. Um, Brooks Kepka, you know, the year he came very close beyond Woods, he was ranking first for that. DJ was also tied for second, he was 11th. Woods wasn't actually in that statistic. So, you know, it's like everything, you can rule stuff out. You know, it doesn't happen every single year, it's these outliers. But, I mean, Tiger Woods around Augusta, statistics didn't really matter. The fact of the matter is, though, what did matter with Tiger heading into that is that he was absolutely crushing it with his irons, arriving at Augusta. And that, to me, again, is a very significant trend. We can go into that in a short while. Now, Barry, you mentioned this par 4 birdie or better statistic, didn't you? Mm. And again, that is something that comes out in the preview in terms of a statistic that seems to really yield um, some 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 real difference for this par four birdie or better now dustin johnson ranked second for that in the season previous to winning this last year tiger woods again was in the top 12 
in the season previous. So that would have included the year that he won that emotional victory at the Tour Championship. Then Patrick Reed, seventh. Sergio, seventh. Danny Willett, second. Jordan Spieth, first. Bubba Watson, fifth. In the season that they actually won the Masters. So effectively, that's saying you really ideally would want players that are in the top 12, either last season or this season, for part four, birdie or better, yeah? Mm-hmm. It'd be great to have a list, wouldn't it, with that information? Yeah. I'm glad, that I, I'm glad that I sent this to you guys on email yesterday. If we run through last year, top 12, in this season, Justin JT at one, Ryan Palmer at four. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm doing this wrong. This is this season. This season, Thomas is number one. Palmer at four. Joachim Neiman. Joachim, sorry. Wacky Neiman at five. I almost went back to my old ways. Six, Patrick Reed. Seven, Brooks Kepka, who isn't playing. Nine, Victor Hovland. Ten, Abraham Anser. And 12, Scotty Scheffler. If we go back, rewind to last season, top 12. Players in this field. Fleetwood at nine. Bright, Big Bad Bryson at eight. Patrick Reed at seven. Reed is in both years. JT at six. JT's in both years. Hatton at four. Scheffler three. DJ two. And Webb Simpson, number one. Yeah, and again, it's another really quite consistent stat, isn't it? It's one that has been borne out um, over the last few years and one that really is a strong indicator of someone who's going to go well at this this year's re- renewal. Um, again, just taking the same logic and applying it to my shortlist that I came back to before, um, our list of 28 goes down to 12 and you lose players like... Well, I mean, and I've extended this out. I know you've talked about top 12, top 15, potentially that stat. I extended it out to top 25 just to make sure, you know, you're not losing anyone just for the sake of a, an odd fraction of a point here or there. But uh, you're still losing the likes of Sergio Garcia, um, John Rahm at that point, Justin Rose, John Paul Rahm. Casey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, John Rahm for the year to date, 84th, par 4, birdie or better. Last year, 54th. So, you know, regardless of how well he's striking the ball and his irons and his greens and regulation recently has been spot on. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just not converting those birdie opportunities on par fours, which uh, which is what this stat's clearly looking at. Um, Justin Rose, Paul Casey, Shane Lowry, Jason Day, another one. And again, you know, these these are players that are potentially going to be quite quite popular again. Mark Leishman, another one who's a a popular pick at a, a major champion or major championship rather. So yeah, you get down from from here. I get down to a list of twelve players, which is my kind of final shortlist from a pure statistical perspective. Um, some of which, um, you know, again, you can make a, a case for for lopping them off further. I'll, I'll read through these this final 12 um, in alphabetical order, just for reference. Um, Adam Scott. You're so smooth, Paul. Adam, <laughs> Adam Scott. I'm, I'm literally get, I'm getting out one of my world-famous post-it notes yeah, here. Yeah. Adam Scott, yeah. yeah. yeah see, see if the winner's out of this list as well. Adam Scott, Brooks Kepka, who's, as you said, is pretty unlikely to play. Um, Bryson DeChambeau. Dustin Johnson. Now, again, do you go to the point of saying, well, he's, he's defending his world number one? I don't know. I've left him in. I've left him in. I'm yeah, not, not going yeah, to take him out on either count because um, no. I, I'm not sure you can realistically. Joaquin Neiman, Justin Thomas, 
Patrick Cantlay, Rory McIlroy. Um, I don't know if anyone saw any of Rory playing yesterday in the first day of the match play, but um, that would be enough to put me off. It's like a Jackson Pollock painting. It's just all over. Whose swimming pool was that? Listen, that, oh, come on. He didn't hit it directly into a pool. of ripped off a cart path. Like, he's just... Oh, well, I'll tell you one thing. I wouldn't have been... That, that ball would be uh, on my... That's going to be on my mantle for the... Here's his, his Rory's ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, it's not, this is not like the Matrix where he can just plug into the Pete Cowan server and download, like, you know, refined or, like, you know, golf skills to fix what he's going through right now. It's like... It might, we've, it might we've, click for Rory, but we've said Barry where where Rory's going to get his first win this year. We know where it's going to be. Let's just say that it's not going to be the Masters. Mm. So Rory McIlroy, um, Scotty Scheffler is in the final dozen. Yeah, he's very prominent, Scheffler. Yeah, absolutely. Tommy Fleetwood, Tony Finnell. Um, there you go, Barry. Perhaps your bet isn't all lost or, or, or at this point after all. And finally, Xander Chauflet. So I'll just read them through quickly again, just for reference. Scott Kepka, DeChambeau, Johnson, Neiman, Thomas, Cantlay, McElroy, Scheffler, Fleetwood, Finau, Chauflet. And if those stats that we've listed hold firm for another year, then the winner is in that dozen players. We shall see. I don't like that. It doesn't match up with a few of my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, scrap that. Scrap that. Yeah, it's there's it's 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 actually it's a lot of fun, kind of drilling down and refining the list by various uh, metrics. It, it's interesting how it plays out, and <laughs> it's uh, I'm a demon for doing it because you, you're 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 trying to break down the field and get to a short list where you can you know hopefully just use your spider senses to make the the final pick. Yeah. And then you know you use a metric and it cuts off a guy you really fancied to put a punt on. You're like, oh no, I better yeah. change that one. Yeah, I'm, so. I better relax that uh, stat a little bit. I mean, the names that caught my eye, Scotty Scheffler, is, uh, is, I just said to you, Steve, it's just a second ago, he's he's playing some nice stuff. And uh, again, he played some nice stuff yesterday in, in the match play. 19th here on debut last year, 45 to 1. So in that kind of sweet spot price-wise that's... Uh, That'd be that some story. Like. Yeah, absolutely. Scotty Scheffler wins his first ever PGA Tour event, top level, and it's the Masters. Is that kind of fantasy land? I wonder Don't if a rookie's. I wonder if a rookie. So I wonder if a PGA Tour rookie is actually. Would you classify Danny Willett as a PGA Tour rookie? Had he won on the? I don't think he'd won in the P on the PGA Tour previous no, to winning no. this, had he? No, he'd won the um, Dubai Desert Classic a few months before, which was... Oh, he'd won some great European game. Tour events, but I don't think he'd ever won on the PGA Tour. And I, at Charles Fartzel. I doubt it. You're good, good shade on Danny. He didn't, you're right. So before the Masters, he had won the BMW International Open in 2012, Nedbank Golf Challenge in 14. Omega European Masters in 15 and the Dubai Desert Classic in February of the year he won the Masters. And Charles Fartzel had never won in America, had never won on the PGA Tour when he won this in 2011. He's he, gone on to win the Valspar in 2016. He, was and young. he had won uh, three Alfred Dunhills in his home nation and a Tusrani Open. 
an anomaly result. I mean, he was. It's a bit of an anomaly result that that he won it. Uh, you know, ripped off the four birdies at the end. Put himself in the position to do it though. So he was he was young at the time. He was only twenty. He's thirty six now. So he was twenty six at the time when he did it. Which kind of yeah. himself and Spieth are the real outliers in uh, young players uh, to to win the Masters for a long like you know last twenty years. Looking back, everybody else seems in that like. 30 year old kind of age bracket or 30 plus uh, the thing is it'd be, it'd be very easy wouldn't it to look at a um, Scotty Scheffler and go well he can't win it he's never even won on the PGA Tour but you know, you know there, there are cases here of players that have never won in America or on the PGA Tour and go and win the Masters yeah, and that was a decent enough spin out in November, wasn't it? Top twenty on your on your debut round it. That forty five to one as well. When the bookies form their final books, what, what might we get? And, you know, unless he does something mad at the match play this week, um, you might Could get sixty six. Isn't it virtually his home course this week? I heard on the commentary yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Out of interest, Barry, you you are the whisperer. <laughs> How do you think Patrick Reed's hitting it at the moment? He's a bit funky. Is he in the kind of space he was three years ago when he won this? Or I, I, is he, I wonder if he. I wonder if he's a. Maybe. It maybe the run in is mistimed a little bit. He looked a little bit more solid just from memory, thinking back to it. Um, I, I remember back 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 when he won it, or in the weeks preceding it. And do you know what the, the trigger for me was um, that. He had started working on this uh, whirlybird finish that was the end result of him hitting fade shots. And I could see him working on that in the weeks coming up to Augusta. And that, that was the trigger for me to, to show that he was incredibly focused on working on a specific game plan to attack uh, the course yeah. at Augusta. Uh, and that's, yeah. that was the trigger for me to, to, to back him. And I, didn't even, I don't even think I looked at any models or stats to, to affirm that. I just trusted my well, eyes. Well, you wouldn't, and, Barry, because if you had, you wouldn't have backed him. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was, it, was just, it was just a fortuitous kind of coincidence of me watching a lot of golf, seeing that, and it matching up in my head uh, to, to put the bet on him for Augusta. But where, he, where is he where now is he in now? 2021 compared I, to where he was then in 2018? He doesn't seem to have it all together. It's just... He puts together stretches of holes, and then he has this like what you know. It's just a few very loose shots kind of seem to kick in. I, w- I wonder if he's if he's just mistimed his peaking. He might pull it together, uh, but then again, if he won in a couple of weeks afterwards, it, it's just. I mean, it's timing a peak in any for any sport is a a difficult thing to achieve. So um, maybe he clicks a week or two afterwards. Maybe he gets it together. I mean, if we knew that, um, we wouldn't be sharing this information. We'd just be making lots of money off it. <laughs> you know, want, or we wouldn't be talking about this information. You know, you'd want him to be getting out of the group this week, wouldn't you? Really? At the match yeah, play? Yeah, it shows shows a level of um, shows a level of form, doesn't it? But then, okay, we're only we're only a day into the match play at the moment, right now, sitting here on uh, yeah. On Thursday morning, and it was an absolute bloodbath for favourites like yesterday in the. Uh, the match and it play, is so. match play. It is different, but look, it there's nothing. I you, if there's ever an event that you think could like 
get his juices going, it's a match play event. So if he can get a couple more matches after the group stages under his belt, that's only going to be his benefit. Even if he gets absolutely nuked in one of the rounds, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll help him kind of get a few more of these like hyper-competitive rounds uh, under his belt. Wacky Neiman is very prominent. He was yeah. in those par four birdie or better numbers. And I'm seeing him very prominent right now on my Greens in Regulation eight-week tracker. Yeah. Yeah. 45th distance to Apex. He's in ninth spot. Yeah, statistically he fits, doesn't he? Say forty fifth for distance to apex, fifth for par four birdie or better for the season. Got a couple of top tens so far this year. Um, you know, he made his debut back in twenty eighteen, missed a cut, but uh, he's had a, he's had a look around the place at least. Mm. Sixty six. What might be getting a week or so's time? Eighty to one potentially. I have I have a little bit of an outsider that's popping into my head at the moment. Mm. Uh, he's uh, it's Corey Connors. Oh God, yeah. There's just there's a lot of good things going on there, including his price, uh, especially when you we start seeing the extended places. Uh, but you know, just to to run off a few uh, high level stats, uh, greens and regulation, he's fifteenth. Um, birdie average, just a general birdie average. I'm just looking at his page here on the, on the PJ Tour site. He's thirty second for that. Scoring average is 17th. You know, just cherry-picking a few of these uh, stats. There's a, there's a lot of good things going on. Like strokes gained, T to green, he's 12th if we're looking into that kind of uh, area, into the strokes gained. He has one appearance at the Masters a few years back, uh, 2016, I think it was. Uh, he missed the cut, but, you know, that's... that's a, Or 2017, it's a long time ago. So... It's nice to have one or two outsiders, you know, the, the the dream of hitting the big jackpot win. But, you know, it's with the 10, maybe 11 places we'll see, maybe 12, somebody will go, like some crazy bookie. <laughs> yeah. Someone might go 12, yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. You know, we'll see. You get, if you yeah. can get him at 80 to 100 to 1, that's that should be a fun bet for the week. It is. It's one of those events, isn't it? You know, as you said, with the short field, 85, 90 players are thereabouts. And you can chop up quite a few of those off because they're just there for the uh, just for the fun of it and uh, the bookies do go mad with it they, we do get a lot of places and some juicy prices so there's the scope for picking some players up are a little bit further down the list yeah I'm so distraught that Brooks isn't playing this because Brooks was oh, no. absolutely Brooks was absolutely yeah. perfect yeah the rest of the because field didn't need to show up if Brooks was playing I think Brooks Brooks was just going to win this yeah <laughs> He's he's absolutely perfect. Across every element, greens and regulation tracker I'm looking at, the approach tracker strokes gained across that path for birdie or better number. We know we're not even worth mentioning him on the distance to apex and power kind of It's just oh man. It, he's it, absolutely yeah. ripe for this. Who who's Brooks ripe. who's Brooks Light? That's the or who's the Brooks substitute or the stand in or his stunt double for this for the Masters? Yeah. I, it felt yeah. It's it's um, it sucks. I, I'd say he's One? pretty uh, pretty sure. pissed off as well about it because oh, it was all pain, lining up so well. One last thing I'll mention here from a statistics perspective. I keep these greens in regulation tracker. 
So basically a moving window of who's hitting the most greens and we do it across all the skill stats, strokes gained and traditional stats. Last year in the strokes gain, uh, sorry, in the GIR tracker, bearing in mind we know, we've already discussed that GIR is king here. DJ was third in the tracker going into the event. The year before that, Tiger was second. Reed is the complete, um, you know, he, he, he pushes the boundary, he the, the trend disappears with Reed. So, you know, it could be another Reed type year. But the year before that, uh, in the tracker, Garcia was second in my tracker. Uh, Willett was sixth. I mean, these are super high numbers, yeah? We've had, we've had uh, so far, a third, a second, a second and a sixth. And then we get a little bit more kind of, I wouldn't say fringy, but, you know, Spieth. Spieth was 15th in the tracker, and before him, Bubba was 12th. The thing with Spieth was as well, he played the week before at Redstone where he had spanked it and he was ninth for greens in regulation. I think even before that, he might have been second at the tournament before that. So there you go. So anything up to top 15 in this greens and regulation tracker. So let's just see where we're at right now. Bearing in mind, there's going to be a little few changes to this. My GIR tracker. Number one, Brooks Kepka. Number two, John Rahm. Number three, a name we haven't mentioned so far, but a previous winner here, Sergio Garcia. Number four, Corey Connors. There you go, Barry. Tied fifth, Zalatoris and Justin Rose, who's a bit of an Augusta specialist. Seven, Jordan Spieth, tied with Paul Casey. Nine tied with uh, nine tied. We've got Neiman and Kokrag, who's been playing some great stuff. Eleven Wolf, twelve Cantlay, Victor Perez at thirteen, Colin Morikawa at fourteen, Matsuama at fifteen, Bubba Watson sixteen, Fitzpatrick and Wiesberger, and then nineteen. A player again we haven't mentioned, Justin Thomas. Bear in mind, JT, of course, appears in that par four birdie or better number for the last two seasons. Yep. Yeah, he's got some good progressive form, hasn't he? Could it be the year that JT finally clicks Augusta? Because up until this point, he hasn't been that great around here, has he? Well, I'd say if you read through his, uh, his five attempts, 39, 39th, 22nd, 17th, 12th, and then 4th in November. Mm. So getting progressively closer and closer. Getting his head around it, isn't he? Yeah. And as you say, he sits at the top of that par 4 birdie or better stat for the season today. Sixth last year, so um, clearly one of his strengths. What? Um, it's an, I know it's it's a silly question to ask, ask, but I'll ask it anyway. What happened in the Kuchar match yesterday with JT? Was it a mixture of Kuchar playing the typical grinding match player that we know he is and JT no, just no, all no. over the place the first nine Kuch holes? Kuchar was, no, no, not at all. Thomas was uh, three under through his 16 holes. Oh, wow. Um, Kuchar, I think Kuchar was something like five under through the first seven and just wow. stole a march on him. And that's that can happen in match play, can't it? You come up against a player of any... Oh, yeah. 
any any player who just gets off to an absolute flyer and your your backs against the wall from the start. I don't I don't think JT played poorly. Um, so he, he played made, good golf, but Kuchar yeah. was on a different planet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he made one bogey in those sixteen holes. Take JT. Kuchar shot thirty on the opening nine. <laughs> he was yeah. six yeah. under. I mean, how do you fight that? Yeah. We can't, can you? <laughs> so yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't dismiss JT out of. Uh, you know, because he because he lost that match and as a result of losing that match he's going to be up against it now to make it through the group um, is that a blessing in disguise when it comes to August of preparation um, you can argue it both ways can't you you can, you can build a narrative for, for either scenario so. it looks like just, just a word on the, the match but it looks interesting for a lot of possible playoffs uh, tomorrow night on Friday yeah, night after the third round yeah, or Saturday yeah Wait, Friday, yeah. I've lost a day of the week. That's what this uh, lockdown has done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there were a lot of players yesterday who uh, who got beaten who you wouldn't expect to have been beaten. So if what, that reverses, what price today, is Jordan Spieth going to be when he wins it for the Masters? <laughs> <laughs> Come here. Now is actually a good time to shout out to the listeners. If there's any stats or metrics you use to make your picks for the Masters. Um, Shoot us a tweet. Be interesting to see the different perspectives because, well, you know, as as the stats have proven in uh, the reviews, the guys haven't picked a winner in forever, so they need a little help. Steve and Paul do. <laughs> oh, we do. Yeah. Uh, listen to this. Listen to this. Twelve. Uh, this is right. Twenty twelve third. Twenty thirteen eighth. Twenty fourteen fifth. Twenty seventeen fourth. Twenty nineteen twelfth. Forget about the numbers. Forget about the trends. Just go back to what we just mentioned yesterday about Matt Kuchar. He's 125 to 1 right now for the Masters. Yeah, and he's got a good record there, hasn't he? Fantastic record. And clearly, from what we're saying yesterday, rounding into some kind of form. Yeah, which, given what we'd seen out of the previous few weeks, um, he's been showing absolutely nothing. But, um, you know, clearly he's got a liking for all. Austin Country Club, and uh, you know we saw that last year. He came close last year, didn't he? Um, and he's got a liking for Augusta National. Again, that's that, that, that much mm. is clear. If I could say one thing about Kuchar, it, it's his swing has become even more Kuchar. If that makes any sense at all, like he's, it's it it looks a little bit contrived, but it, it his always has kind of in a way that's obviously functional uh, at the moment because uh, he was six under on the front nine against Justin Thomas, who's clearly in very good form, having just come off the players' win. So, I don't, but is Kucher, like my the other question is when you're picking these long odds guys, uh, I always like to you know have to have a certain element of like will can this guy win this tournament. I just don't yeah. think I just don't think Kuchar's got that winning part aspect of the um, no uh, to, to to the bet. So you really, I mean, for me, that backing Kuchar is really just a bet to grab the place money on him. Mm. Agreed. Completely agreed. I think the, well, this this uh, this um, the whole mo of this podcast isn't for us to actually say who we're going to be backing. We'll be clearly going through that on the Tuesday prior to Augusta uh, with our picks and tips podcast. But this whole podcast was about trends, how we look at the field, ways of potentially bringing that field down to a manageable level. 
I think we've kind of got to the end of the road then, haven't we? We've we've uh, mentioned some players we're interested in, some players that clearly make a, a sense statistically and some stuff that the listeners can go away and do their own research around. As Barry said, if there's trends out there that we've missed or that you use and if you, you have used to um, a level of success, do not hesitate to email us. Don't hesitate to comment on uh, YouTube or on uh, or just message us via whatever means you can. I mean, it'd be good to hear from you. I think that's us done, chaps. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Yep. Until the uh, until the tip show. Well, we've got the uh, got Valero Texas open on uh, Tuesday of next week, haven't we? In the meantime, the little appetizer. Charlie Hoffman at eighteen to one to win the Valero <laughs> Texas Open. I can't wait. Yeah, or even shorter after he wins this week at Corral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I reckon he's only using this week as a warm-up for the big... Val- that, that's yeah. his major next week, Valero he Texas does, yeah. Open. Charlie, he's got, he's and you think cracking. about it. You think about Charlie playing some great stuff, and what happens if he can win that next week? He gets his, uh, he gets his invite to the Masters. Mm. Travel straight from Texas to Georgia. Stranger things have happened. Yep. Thanks for your time, Paul. Thanks for your time, Barry. Yeah. No Cheers, worries. boys. Don't forget about the Treble Eight Sport offer out there. Sixty-six to one on DJ, one hundred to one on John Rahm, a hundred to one on Bryson DeChambeau for new customers eighteen plus with Treble Eight Sport. Key terms and conditions, of course, available at Golf Betting System. It's been a blast. We will be back next week for the Valero Texas Open. Thanks for your time. Goodbye.